friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. Happy Tuesday, friends. I am so excited to be here with you today, and I can't wait to introduce you to our guest as well. But before we get into the episode, I just wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to all of our patrons who help support the show every single month. And I wanted to let you know that there's fresh Patreon content ready for you. And this one is super fun. It is with Michael Cash, who was the creator and producer of the music for this show. So the music that you hear in the intro, as well as throughout the episode. And he is sharing some of the behind the scenes of how we went about creating the music for this show. So all my Patreon supporters out there, thank you so much and enjoy that fun behind the scenes content. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can check out our Patreon community at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Today on the show, I have my friend Mallory Lara. She and I go to Sugarland Family Church together and have known each other over the past several years. Something I admire so much about Mallory is just her authenticity and her willingness to share her story. So today we get into her faith journey, what that's looked like, as well as her experience as a hairdresser and as an artist. We talk about things like the difference between joy and happiness, walking through grief, how art can be a tool for healing, and encouragement for when you may be feeling a lack of inspiration as an artist. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you, and I hope that it encourages you today. Enjoy my conversation with Mallory Lara. I'm super excited to get to chat with you today and thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this is fun because I guess we've known each other probably about, I was thinking about this, like maybe five years now-ish, maybe a little less than that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Because we started coming to SLFC like just right after Hurricane Harvey. What year was that? 2017, I think. Okay. we I started going in 18. Okay. So four, yeah. four-ish years. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Minus two because of COVID. True. Yeah. It kind of just COVID is like back. a little blip in our timeline. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. But it is super fun having just like gotten to know you guys through Sugarland Family Church. That's SLFC for those who are wondering. And um, just getting to know you and Daniel and Grace now has been so yeah. much fun. So do you want to share just a little bit about yourself and then we'll kind of dive in? Sure. Yeah. Let's see. I'm a new mother. And I've sort of taken that on everything I do. I take very seriously. So I'm like, I am a super mom now. Yes. (laughs) First I was just super wife, you know? Uh And then before that I was super single feminist, independent woman. Yes. Very good (laughs) at doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So most of my time is taken up with being the butler around the house. Just kidding. Just like servanthood. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm 36. I'm from Texas. I love it here. Yay. Yeah. Lots Very of things. Cool. Yes. And we'll get into this, but you also are a hairdresser, which is super cool. I'm a hairdresser. I should like get you to do my hair sometime. So yeah, my hair, to. that would be awesome. Anyway. Yeah. Side note. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very cool just from what I know about you, I'm excited to kind of get into 
a bit of your story and then also kind of the different ways that art has been a part of your life, even in like small touches and stuff like that. So yeah. So I guess we'll just dive right in. And do you want to share kind of like your testimony with us and maybe what brought you to SLFC also? Cause I'm just curious. Ooh, yeah. That's probably where the editing of this will take place. I'm just Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, mostly evangelical, charismatic, And I went to Bible college when I was 16, which is also very charismatic. So it was sort of an extension of what I knew already. Lots of reading the Bible and experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, just sort of active everywhere. That was very normal for me uh, to be engaged and to see it and to be a part of it. And, but I struggled because it didn't make sense in my head, but Mm. I never questioned God's existence. Yeah. I did wonder a lot of stuff because I think at that time, anytime I would ask a question, I was asking from it within the same world, you know? So like the answers were just sort of being recycled by the same people, Mm. same doctrine, same philosophies. And it was like, you know, kind of the uh, prosperity gospel mm. approach. And yeah. well, if you're not healed, it's because your faith isn't strong enough. Mm. And I took that very seriously. So I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to make my faith stronger? And I was like, doing, doing, doing. Right. Which is exhausting. Yeah. Especially when you don't see the outcome you want to see. Mm-hmm. Kind of the checklist, checklist yeah. faith or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a transaction too. Yeah. Like, this plus that should equal this and it's not. So what am I doing wrong? Yeah. You know, yeah. so that caused some just very curious. Like I was curious, curious. I was curious. a lot of curiosity, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of curiosity, but didn't know who to ask. I really didn't know what, what to ask. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of like floated and drifted. And then a few years down the road, the Lord sent me to Actually, I stopped going to church altogether when I was in my 20s. It was for a full year. Yeah. And in that time, I was just reading the Bible because I was very like determined to not be sent to hell mm. <laughs> for not going to church. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to read my Bible every day. So it, it gave me this time and space to be very disciplined in my journey and in my search to find truth. Mm. And fortunately, God met me there and ministered to me and taught me a lot. Hindsight showed me that it was a sabbatical. Like he took me sort of away and allowed distractions to be limited so we could just get to know each other one-on-one without influence of doctrine and and stuff, without the noise. Mm -hmm. So uh, after 12 months, almost every Every day of that year, I would just check in and say, are you sure you don't want me back at a local church? What's going on? I just wanted to make sure I was being obedient because I am very scared of consequences. But Mm. this is an interjection, but you identify Mm. with an Enneagram one, right? Yes. Textbook Enneagram one. Gotcha. I was just thinking, I was like, that kind of lines up as well with like, want to be a rule follower and like do the right thing and like have the right answers and stuff like that. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yes. And it's just sort of that black and white thinking where Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for the right way to do it. 
not necessarily to be right, but whatever's, you know, moral and ethical for the situation. Yeah. And oftentimes there's no guidelines for it. I want, you know, I just wanted one person to tell me this is how you do it and go forward. And that especially in faith, in the Christian faith, it's just not that clear cut, I guess. Mm. I think there are some things that are, but as far as what I was going through, it wasn't. So yeah, so being a hairdresser at the time, somewhere around like 10 to 12 clients randomly started coming to me and they all happened to go to the same church. And literally every single one of them invited me to their church. And I was like, so annoyed because at the time I had like a seven inch mohawk and, you know, it was like purple and, you know, all kinds of colors and I just look wild and crazy and I've got tattoos. And so Mm -hmm. all of these very conservative looking older women, some of them were younger, but, and not just conservative looking. I say that because I'm a hairdresser and it was just like, you know, this simple haircut. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew about them. And so I knew that we had different opposing philosophies on a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I developed this narrative that they all felt sorry for the like wild little hairdresser girl. Mm -hmm. Like let's, you know, use our magical forces and like get her to become Baptist. And so... (laughs) And so it's like, no, no, thank you. And I was like, oh, poor them. They're Baptists. One day they'll know. Uh (laughs) One day they'll know the truth. I feel so sorry for them because they don't understand the Holy Spirit. Like, so there was these things. I never said that to anybody, but. Yeah. Those are the thoughts going through your head. Yeah. (laughs) Those were my thoughts. And that was sort of a wall that I built up. Like you stay over there. I'll stay over here. I'm going to pray for you because there's a lot of things that you don't know, just like pride and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one day I was sweeping the salon and like I was processing it and I just stopped and I like looked up and I'm like, oh, okay. I decided to stop going to church, but God brought church to me. And so I was like, okay, I get it. I'll go to their church. I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) And so I dabbled. I went to like a Wednesday night women's service and it was like not really commitment, you know, Mm -hmm. and I loved it. And God met me there and he gave me some revelations and I stayed there for a few years. And that's where I learned that there can be order in your doctrine. Mm. And I needed that for, again, like my personality that needs sort of compartments and labels and linear. Yes. Like let's categorize and put things into boxes and files instead of just like blah, like right. emotions. Uh-huh. Scattered all over the and, desk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I understood at that point sort of the charismatic evangelical ways were that like a abstract painting where you don't really know where to look and it feels right. If it feels right for you, it doesn't feel right to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I was more of like a, like a mosaic, right? Like everything yeah. has a place. I needed more order. Mm-hmm. And when the order was, ge- and I didn't know that that's what I needed. And so when the order was given to me, I just had this aha moment where I'm like, okay, I understand faith and salvation a little bit more. And it took sort of reading about it and seeing an outline of it and the understanding sort of the order of salvation instead of just salvation. Like, mm-hmm. Just put it on, 
let's, you know, go for this ride. You'll figure it out later. God's got you. And I was like, but, but what about, but what up? And that's where I learned about justification and sanctification and just like the slower process of it. Yeah. And I needed that. Yeah. Kind of some of the, uh, the why behind the what maybe exactly giving it some legs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> no, that's, that's so cool. helpful because this is like something I haven't really talked about which is why I'm rambling because I'm like, this is amazing. This is so good. Actually, I like, I wasn't even sure where this was going to take us when I'm like, do you want to share your testimony with us? But I'm like, this is so amazing. Thank you for being willing to process out loud with us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for allowing me to do that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I can't remember how long I stayed there and I didn't adopt, you know, the identity of a Baptist. I was like, I don't know what I am. I don't feel like I need to know. I just know that the way that they're teaching the gospel to me made sense. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, I did at the time remember having some evangelical friends like, what's going on? We need to save you. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how within, you know, within the Christian faith and then you've got like Catholicism and Protestant, Protestantism, is that a word? Protestantism? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And then within like the Protestant wing, I guess you could say, then there's like such a variety, you know, of different denominations and kind of ways of thinking and viewing things. And yeah. And like you were saying, there's certain things you're like, okay, that's very like black and white. And we know like, this is what the Bible says about it. And then there's some things that people like interpret these things differently and just, yeah, it's really kind of fascinating and a little bit sad at times when people, yeah, when you see that sort of like division. Yeah, yes. But at the same time, kind of cool, like the different expressions as well. So anyway, that was my little true. thought on it. Because I, I tend to think of it more like negatively. Yeah. Like going back to what I was saying earlier about just tell me the right way and we'll do it. Yeah. And so I do, I like to read Acts a lot, you know, I'm like, what were they literally doing then? And now, you know, I'm learning more about orthodoxy and Mm. like sort of studying that but through this lens of what's been given to me which is like experience with all these different denominations I once heard somebody say eat the fish and spit out the bones and Mm. I do that a lot especially with this topic yeah I think I have a good handle on like if I get too far you know spiraling away too much I'm like wait let's just come back to truth what do Mm. I know to be true I know God, I know Jesus. And sometimes that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I'm like, I don't know. Dinosaurs and like right. <laughs> exactly. All the questions. Um, uh, but we can come back to come back to kind of that core. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there was a little bit of things that I experienced there that I didn't really understand how to process and didn't have people in my life to process with. For example, like women in ministry, that was something that was really hard for me to digest the way that that was manifesting in that church. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went back to the search and yeah. the Lord opened up a door to SLFC. Oh, and, cool. And I don't mean to sound like I'm looking for the church that meets all my needs. Right. Cause no church is going to be that, you know? Yeah. And that's not my motive. Like I'm not in my faith. I'm not looking to be happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does that sound terrible or does that sound biblical? Like 
It's not my motive. Yeah. I think that's really profound, actually. That's not the motive or maybe the goal even is not necessarily to be happy. Yeah. You want to dive into that a little well, bit more? I just think like in in the world, you know, I think I can say that to you knowing you're a believer and sort of, I'm struggling to say this because again, I haven't processed it. So I'm processing it out loud. I'm like, mm-hmm. er, er. Um, but I think within the doctrine of Christianity, when you have been transformed by God and his spirit, words take on new definitions, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the more deeply rooted I become in my faith, the more I understand things like I once was blind, but now I see I was dead and now I'm alive. And I think within the body of Christ, those are things that we're like, yeah, we understand. We see it. We sing it. We lived it. We get it. And then there's sort of this like outer ring where it's like, well, yeah, I I say I'm a Christian, but I don't understand that part. Like, what do you mean dead and alive? And then there's, you know, people that aren't believers that would consider that like offensive. Like, how dare you think I'm I'm dead because I don't believe. Mm-hmm. what you believe. And so I struggle to say that that happiness quote because it's hard to I don't know, it's hard to explain that. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's okay to rely on my faith as much as I do and not be happy, but it doesn't mean I'm miserable. It right. means like I'm going to be suffering in this life no matter what I believe mm-hmm. and there's going to be peace within the trials mm-hmm. because of what I cling to. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That we're going to face suffering. Like you said, no matter what, we're going to face hard things. We're not always going to be like sunshine and rainbows and, you know, butterflies and whatever, but that we are able to cling to hope and have peace in the midst of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Maybe like having it in tandem. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like I said, my goal is not happiness. I know that happiness is dependent on, I read this cheesy quote. I don't know who said it, but happiness depends on happenings mm-hmm. and joy depends on God. Yeah. Like so whatever's That's happening, it's, you know, circumstances and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I can experience happiness, but if I'm looking for happiness in my faith, I just don't think that it's, I don't know. It's a work in progress. Yeah, for sure. Does it make sense though? Like, what do you think about what I? Yeah, I think that does make sense. I think that we, especially thinking about like church, I guess. And I think a lot of times we probably go into church with maybe motives that are not necessarily like what God intends maybe. And like with trying to like find sort of this perfect fit or find happiness. And I think there, like you said, there's moments where we're like, wow, I am so happy. This is amazing. But like, you know, also God is using the church and our experiences there probably to, to teach us, to refine us, to um, challenge us, you know, and like, and there's going to be things that, like you said, we have to kind of grapple with and, and people we probably will, you know, have to deal with conflict with or whatever. So anyway, I'm processing out loud now too, but basically (laughs) (laughs) thinking like, I like what you're saying about, you know, kind of just walking with God and allowing him to guide us into whatever like faith community or church is going to be where he has us in that season. And for 
a purpose and like allowing God to do the work in us and then recognizing that he's like with us no matter what we face, no matter what the happenings are around us, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And that he can bring joy in the midst of that. So I know we're kind of talking about like two different things together, but yes. Yeah. No, but I'm tracking. Cool. And I always, I write notes like all day, every day. Yes. And so I just jotted down like something that you said was sort of on the journey. He'll have us on this journey to experience him. And I wrote to, to worship him fully. So for some people, it's going to be one denomination mm-hmm. and that's going to allow them to worship him fully. And for others, it's going to be a different form of expressing that doctrine. Yeah, that's so good. And this is all like really pointing a lot towards what we'll probably talk about in a little bit. The fact that you are working on getting your certification for biblical counseling, yeah. which is super cool. Yeah. So it makes sense that you're like processing lots of things right now. (laughs) I didn't think about that, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So cool. So thank you for sharing that journey. And then would you want to share a little bit about kind of just your journey with motherhood up to this point? I mean, I'm sure sure we could have like a whole conversation just on that. So whatever you feel like sharing, and then we can kind of dive into like artist world too. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Motherhood. It's extremely humbling mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun and very humbling. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> like I, I just love, I love having the illusion of control and you just can't with a toddler or a mm-hmm. child or a husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're, if you're willing to be, to make compromises, you know, and, and to make it healthy, I think a certain level of humility is necessary. So, yeah, but it's extra fun. Grace is amazing. Yeah, she's so cute. Thank you. Yeah, she'll be two on Sunday when, um, let's see, I think she was four months old when we got pregnant with Olivia. Mm-hmm. And I carried Olivia the full nine months and then she was stillborn in oh, last October. So sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Um I don't know that we ever really got a chance to talk about this. I mean I did see you and give you a hug and like love you, but it was kind of in the midst of the world being weird too, you know? Sure. I feel like yeah, for sure. A lot of that. Yeah. And so I was considered high risk. So I wasn't sort of in community very much and during the pregnancies. And then I was put on like a semi bed rest too before that. Mm. So I just, I mean, I was like not really around a lot of people, but it was really good that time for me. I think it was three months of bed rest ended up being really cool. I sort of just watched Grace. She figured out how to sort of entertain herself. She plays really well independently and she's got an amazing imagination and that by the grace of God, like we needed that because she wasn't, she was so just like independent and creative and very cool. And, uh, yes. and I couldn't really hold her at the time, but we had a lot of friends and family, uh, mostly family that came in and out and, and helped a lot with grace during that time. Mm-hmm. And so that is when I got interested in digital art Ooh. because I could, <laughs> I could do that from the comfort of my couch 
just doodle on my iPad yeah. with Procreate and the pencil. So that was really therapeutic for me because I didn't have to like, you know, lug out all my stuff, canvases and, you know, mm-hmm. have a designated creative space. But anywho, I watched Grace uh, from the couch and she was very playful and amazing. And then October, we found out Olivia had passed. Mm. And that was probably the first time I've experienced true grief. Yeah. So it's almost been a year of learning how to parent Grace with this sort of shadow of of grief Mm. hovering around us. And so I think one of the coolest things about it has been having the opportunity to show her what an appropriate response to sadness and fear is Mm. like physically, like it's appropriate to cry and uh, to be quiet. And we talk a lot about feelings and emotions and how they're dependent on your circumstances. And so, and what's the appropriate response to them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, before we left the hospital after Olivia passed, I think it was the chaplain that told us you, he said you and Daniel, or she said you and Daniel are going to be grieving differently on different days and don't judge each other for the way you're grieving or not grieving. Yeah. And to bring grace into it. They said, we don't know what that looks like, but include her in your grief. And so it looked like not hiding tears. It looked like not waiting until she went to sleep to cry or to talk about it. Don't just cry in the shower. Like, yeah, you know, just let it, let it come out whenever it needs to. And so she now sees somebody crying and says, well, if it's me, for example, she'll come up to me and say, mama's sad. And then she'll like rub my shoulder. Mm. And uh, I'm like, yeah, mama's sad. And then she said, it's okay, mama. <laughs> so it's really sweet. I love this sort of foundation that we're building with her about feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and so we can have the vocabulary for it. I didn't have the vocabulary for feelings and emotions until I don't know, probably two years ago. Yeah. Wow. Except for the big the major ones. Right. You know. Happy sad. Yeah. <laughs> Angry. Yeah, <whatever>. like, <laughs> yep. I can resonate with that for sure. Kind of having like a basic vocab for emotions, but I tend to like ignore my emotions. So walking through season of grief with losing my sister too has been kind of like a almost like unearthing of like things that have probably been inside me the whole time, but like not really expressed or recognized or something like that. And so kind of figuring out, yeah, allowing it to come, I guess it's maybe the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Grief is like a whole nother right. thing. That's, another, that's part two of podcasts. Yes. I know. I need <laughs> you to come back and then we can just do like a whole talk on grief. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so wild. But you're right. I think it unlocks, for me, it has unlocked this this other me that's been, that's been there this whole time, like mm-hmm. obviously trying to get out. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I ignored it or avoided it or if those are the same. Right. Or convincing myself that it, it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And then it builds and it grows and it piles up and needs to go somewhere. And I think for you, I don't know if, if you still dance regularly, but I just know that there's so much power in movement and mm-hmm. not just walking. Like 
and allowing your body to move different ways, it releases, you know, certain energy that's been stored. Yeah. And that's so true. being on bed rest, like I didn't have that mm. opportunity. Yeah. So so I'm I'm slowly getting back into that moving. Mm-hmm. That's really good for sure. Yeah. So speaking of, you kind of touched on like getting into digital art and how that was sort of therapeutic in a sense during that time. Um, so do you want to kind of just share a little bit about your journey with the arts and just different forms of art and then um, how that has been like part of your story and maybe part of your healing too? Yeah, sure. For as long as I can remember, I've always painted or drawn or sculpted or created something. And I think one of my earliest memories is being three at Mother's Day out. And I vividly remember them giving me this like drawing of an apple. And they said, tear off pieces of red construction paper and glue them in the apple. And I remember thinking, (laughs) this is ridiculous. Are you, you want me to do that? Like, I just remember thinking (laughs) I was above it. (laughs) Like, okay, I'll do it. And I did it. And I remember being the first one done and like glancing over at the next kids and like his paper was like all over the place and like Mm -hmm. wasn't in the apple. And Mm -hmm. I remember feeling badly like that. I thought that, and I haven't really thought much about that time, but what that meant, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've always sort of been coordinated with pencils and pens and I think the common source of art throughout my entire life has been doodling. Mm -hmm. Like I doodle a lot sketching on like church notes and stuff like that. Yeah. Here and there I've done some bigger pieces. I never kept a portfolio because I just Mm -hmm. have always been against a portfolio. I don't know why. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, it could be because I've known that I never wanted it to be my, I didn't ever want to have to depend on it for money, like for financial stability. Mm -hmm. At an early age, I realized like I'm not always inspired mm-hmm. to draw or, or create. And when it becomes a job and somebody says, oh, I need this, I want this by this time. I think this is why so many artists are just like struggling because like, well, I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> or I have this image in my head of what it should look like, but I don't even know how to start it. I don't even know how to do it. Yeah. Or you want it done by Christmas? Like, don't put that pressure on me to to do this masterpiece by then. Um, And so it's really moody. But I also don't like, I totally judge that part of being an artist because I'm very, like, loyal and committed. So if I say this is going to be done by this time, I'm going to make it happen and maybe mess with the integrity of the piece itself. Mm -hmm. So I just don't like that tension and that conflict. So maybe that's why I never kept record of all my stuff. And now I wish I had, like, I want to see the evolution of it. Yeah. Um, I have a few things around my house here and there, but I'm definitely keeping a portfolio of Grace's artwork Mm. already. I've started it. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I loved you sent a picture of of you and Grace painting together the other day. And that was so precious. I was like, so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) I bet that probably brings like a whole new perspective when creating art with your child. Like that'd be super cool. Well, you know, my dad's an artist too, and neither of us have any formal training. He's, he's just very creative and can recreate things uh, really easily. And I remember being young and when we would draw together, he would, 
he thought he was helping me. I always thought he was criticizing me. Mm. And so he would say, you know, certain things like, well, look at the proportion now. I like, look at what you're drawing at. And it, and it felt like this, like sort of football coach kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. That like I didn't need. Um, so there was a lot of tension there, but yesterday I was watching Grace hold a pencil and she was holding it like high. Uh-huh. I think that's, that's sort of what kids do. And I said, at the risk of sounding like my father, Grace, you know you're supposed to hold your pencil lower because you'll have more control. Uh-huh. I'm like, she's not even two, Mallory. But what am I trying to instill in her? Because maybe she wants to color like that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to not, you know, influence her too much mm-hmm. as far as her creativity goes, but like guide her too because I've gone down the path. Right. So that's cool. So yeah. Yeah. Digital art is like mess free. So that's awesome. That is awesome. And kind of clutter free too, just as far as like supplies and that kind of stuff, like you said. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. You can take it with you anywhere. Yes, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. You need a charger. But. Mm-hmm. So what is it about art that you feel like has been or allows it to be healing maybe? For me personally, it's, it's almost mindless. Like when I catch myself drawing or doodling or something, I've allowed myself to unattach from what I think it should be like. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of get like fall into the details of it. And then I zoom out and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> it's not what I wanted it to look like. Throw it away, start all over. And I'm like so dramatic about it. But when I, and that's when I start thinking about it, you know, mm-hmm. but I think it's truly meditative for me because when I'm allowing myself to just do it, I'm not thinking about anything else. And I think that's, True meditation, yes, is quieting your mind, right? Yeah, you know, uh huh. That totally makes so sense. So before, like, yeah, when when I was on bed rest before Olivia passed, that sort of gave me like a purpose because I like to be productive. Mm-hmm. And around that time too, Pastor Nate or actually Logan asked me to do some drawings for the church for the armor of God. Oh yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not. I think I did know that. So, That's so cool. Yeah, so I had this sort of project to work on. And it gave me this sense of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can do it and it's going to be done. And then the finished piece is going to be somewhere and it's done. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I liked being able to do something like that. That gave me that sort of sense of completion mm-hmm. and accomplished. So that was really satisfying for me in that way. But then I put down the iPad for months after Olivia passed Mm -hmm. because it reminded me of that time, you know? And and when I talked about it with Daniel, who is an Enneagram four, by the way, I'm so cautious with him about like little things. Like he was always taking me to the hospital for checkups for Olivia. And it was right when the weather had changed. So like the fall weather, Mm. and then we would get pumpkin spice lattes, like on the way to the hospital and all these little things that gave us smiles in that moment of like pain Mm -hmm. and now they're coming around again Mm. and I want to experience them without feeling or being reminded of the pain. And so I was like talking about it with Daniel and like, should we create like new memories or what? He's like, well, there's nothing wrong with remembering that we were sad. Like, oh, right. Yeah. It's so hard though. Sometimes (laughs) Yeah. That's I'm glad we have fours in our lives, right? <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot that that was an option. Like right. 
it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be reminded that of a sad time in our life. Yes. Instead of like doing so much work to like work around it yeah. and avoid it. Yeah. Like, oh, right. I can go through it. So mm. very grateful for Daniel. Yeah. For that piece. Super profound. And I've been dw- thinking a lot about the idea of like the joy and sadness or joy and grief can be hand in hand, like together, you know? So you can yeah. be like having yeah. joy, drinking that pumpkin spice latte. And at the same time, feeling that, that, that ache and sadness of that experience. Yeah. yeah that's stuff. It's very gray. Yeah. And I don't do well with gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really practicing it, especially in this last year where I can, you know, with hope, like the hope that God's given us for the future and for eternity. And so what, how does that saying go? Like you're, it has happened, but it hasn't happened yet. Something like that. I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah. The not yet. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Kind of like it's already, but not yet. Something like that's the one. Okay. Is that it? Something like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll look it up. <laughs> yeah. So living that, whatever it is, which to me is the definition of hope. That's so good. So good. Did I even answer your question? Yeah, totally. That was great. Okay. That was awesome. Okay. Tell me I get an A plus. Okay? A plus for sure. <laughs> Just curious. Do you see your work as a hairdresser as artistic and creative? Oh, right. No, I don't. Okay. Uh, no, yeah. but I can see how people do. To me, it's math. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. It's geometry. That's really awesome because so, you're essentially working with shapes. Yeah. Like, okay. Angles or whatever. Yeah. Huh. Yes. Shapes and angles, degrees, elevation, graduation. So there's nice. definitely science and math involved. And I love that because that means like I can get it right. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. if somebody brings like a picture of a style that they want, and normally, you know, there's like a huge language barrier between hairdressers and civilians. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's <laughs> <Yes, laughs> <as> regular people. <laughs> no, and so they'll send, they'll bring a picture and they do a lot of this. Like I want, you know, I want this. And so, like mm-hmm. moving your hands around and wiggling your fingers, uh-huh. or whoosh, they'll use like sound, sound effects. effects and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or lots of this, like, you know, curving their hand uh-huh. to make a round shape or a flip shape. Yeah. And most beauty schools don't teach how to make that happen. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do know that a creative eye helps, but I also believe that anybody can learn how to cut hair because it's math. Yeah. And like, if you learned math, you could learn how to cut hair. Cool. You might not have the but (laughs) But the magic touch Uh yeah that's cool yeah oh yeah I think that there's worlds colliding too and so I forget that it's a form of it's an expression of art yeah and creativity I think it's definitely something that has a lot of like positive can have a lot of positive influence on the world too like may not always seem like that big of a thing maybe but I don't know. You just hear, you know, stories about people that like it totally transforms kind of their outlook, you know, or like their feelings about themselves or whatever. So it's just super cool. Anyway. Yeah, no. And I forget that, that piece too, because I think I tend to think more like, this is so trivial and it's all about vanity and why am I not doing anything bigger, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I hear stuff like that from, from clients who said like, you gave me the confidence that I never knew that I 
I could have or something like that. But also the relationship that I have with clients Mm -hmm. standing behind the chair when they've been sitting there for an hour, you know, every six weeks for the last 15 years. Like, yes. I, I know some stuff. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. And like, what an opportunity for, yeah, that relationship building and like being, I know for a fact, like my mom has had the same, she definitely had the same hairdresser for a number of years, like since I was little, you know, like, yeah. so probably at least over two decades and yeah. And she's right. like a prayer warrior. And so She's yeah. been kind of one of those people in my mom's life that's kind of been a constant without even realizing it and being someone yeah. that's always like an encourager and someone that's going to speak truth into her life for that period yeah. of time, which is so cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. It's definitely what, what you make it. Cause I know that the, in the industry, there's so many hairdressers who, because at the end of the day, most hairdressers are artists. Mm-hmm. I think often artists we have this deeper need to sort of create, which I think is, it reflects, you know, God's image he made us in his image. And that's one of the characteristics that we have is to want to have this desire to create, mm-hmm. but it's been perverted by our sin nature yeah. and to say, look at me and look at what I've created. And so it's really easy to sort of slip into this, identity or this role of self-centeredness mm-hmm. and just egocentric and it sort of subtly like seeps into all areas of it where it's like well I'm so in demand now so I'm gonna increase my prices to 150 dollars mm-hmm. and like I just build on this ego I don't know what do you think about artists and ego yeah that totally resonates as far as like I think art especially when we're kind of like you said left to our own and nature and everything like can become turn very inward, you know, and it can turn very much into like, I see that with dance too, you know, cause it's like dance is a very, um, like you said, like it can be really incredible to move. And like, you see people turning dance into kind of this own, like individualistic, like I'm expressing what I feel and I don't really care what the audience sees or Thanks or whatever. And there's some of that that's kind of cool. You know, you're like, yeah. that is cool. They're, you're just seeing whatever they're expressing. But I think there's like yeah. so much beauty and power when it's like, I'm using this gift that God's given me to intentionally serve people or like, you know, be outward focused. And it totally oh, changes it. Good. I feel like the feel of it, yeah. maybe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I can totally see that right there with you for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could talk for so long, but. (laughs) No, definitely. So I love this so much, but a question that I always tend to ask at the end of these conversations is, is there something you'd like to share with other artists right now? And I feel like what you said earlier about like feeling when we feel uninspired or like a lack of inspiration was something that you had mentioned. And I was like, that'd be really cool to just kind of dive a little bit more into um, as we wrap up today. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, everything has seasons, I think. And especially being an artist waiting for motivation and inspiration to intersect when it happens, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And in the, I think most of the time we're waiting for them to intersect, but I've learned in my life that it's finite. The feeling of not being inspired or motivated comes and goes. And 
when I'm in the in the midst of being uninspired, for example, like I am right now, mm-hmm. I'm holding on to that memory from the past and the hope for the future that is going to come again. Yes. Amen. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, and this is total random side note, but we are friends in the Bible app and I love following you in the Bible app and like seeing what you're highlighting. Yeah. <laughs> I love that thing. Yes, it's so cool. It keeps me on track. Yeah. It's really nice. And I think maybe my one wing as well, because I identify yeah. with nine and definitely have a one wing. Yeah. You want to see your streak? Yes. The streak. I was like, <laughs> yeah, but it's so sad. Have you ever lost your streak? Oh yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate that feeling. I know. That's it. I'm no. never reading my Bible again. No. <laughs> It was so bad because this year I lost the streak on my birthday. And then I know, but then I was like, well, you know what? It's like a new year, a fresh start. So it kind of worked out in a way, but it was just funny. Fresh start. That's (laughs) so good. Yeah. So I guess we're kind of running out of time. But um, one thing I like to ask is what is one of your favorite things right now? Could be literally anything. Oh my goodness. I have so many favorite things. You can have more than one too if you want. Okay. So I was vegan for eight years and I recently started eating meat again, but I didn't start eating bacon until like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. So that's really good. And I'm so into it. Nice. Love bacon. And so delicious. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Yeah. (laughs) Baseball. One of my favorite things right now is waiting for like Daniel to get off of work and for us to just turn baseball, watching the Strohs as a family. Mm -hmm. Grace loves it too. Um, I think mostly she loves us just being together and uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Family time. Can I share a third thing? That's yes. one of my favorite things for sure. My black and Decker dust buster. Ooh. I just love like zapping little yes. crumbs and dust bunnies. And it's just so satisfying. That sounds extremely satisfying for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm teaching Grace how to use it. So she's got chores now. Yes. That's brilliant. I love it. And <laughs> she can have that sense yeah. of accomplishment as well. So oh man. That's great. I'm just I'm really trying to not make her a little Mallory, but it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard not to with I don't know, you know, just yeah. That's who you're with all the time. So it's great. But <laughs> oh, no. so awesome. do you want me to let people know where they can connect with you? Uh sure. Instagram okay. at Malcast Lara. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. I'm on, there a lot. I'm on the on the Bible app you version. Yes, you version chat. Uh huh. That'd be awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mallory. This has been like such a gift to get to spend this time with you and to really get to know you a little bit deeper, which has been fun. I know. So I can't believe it's over. I would love to chat more. Yeah, for sure. I've got a lot to say, Rachel. Isn't Mallory just so much fun? I love that we ended the conversation laughing and how much laughter we shared throughout our time together. You can find all the links, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. I'd love to have you as part of our Patreon community. If you'd like to check it out, you can go to creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon, or just click on the link on our website. Another great way to support the show is just to share this episode with a friend. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show is produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create, made to inspire, continue living with purpose, and making an impact. See you next time, friends. 